This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. For all your beer, wine, cider, and fermented food making needs, get on down to Homebrew in Paradise, 740 Moava Street in Kalihikai. Mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast to get 10% off. And we have to do the jingle, so Homebrew in Paradise! Aloha everyone, welcome to the show. This is a, a little bit of a unique pod today. It's just me. Uh, all by myself. Ryan will be back next week, uh, but until then, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Just a few small things I want to update you on, and one big key story we want you to watch, and that's who the Hawaii GOP has decided to bring to town uh, for a big fundraiser as they kick off their push toward the general election in November. Um, Ryan will be back next week, but until then, roll with me, we'll be okay, let's do this thing. P.S. I'm recording this uh, the night before Rosh Hashanah. So by the time you hear it, it'll be the year 5,779 on the Hebrew calendar, if you want to feel a little old. Uh, but anyway, Lashana Tova, everyone, wishing you a sweet and joyful new year. Let's get it. Yeah. We often hear holiday meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced to foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu, Ahui Ho. Howling. Howling. Yeah. is a perfectly good word. Welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Michaels. What happened this week? Well, first, on Tuesday night, uh, I was lucky enough to attend Tanahasi Coates in conversation at the Honolulu Museum of Art, uh, featuring friend of the show and episode 29 guest, Dr. Akemi Glenn. Uh, it was a fascinating discussion, a true meeting of two brilliant minds on the stage. Props to her and her team at the Popolo Project for putting on an amazing event. Uh, this was originally supposed to be part of their hashtag Black August programming series, and there was a slight delay due to Hurricane Lane, uh, but, you know, like they say, better late than never. Uh, and, uh, of course, Tanahasi Coates got to joke, uh, you know, it was really hard to convince him to come back to Hawaii. Um, I believe Popolo Project will be putting up some video and more information soon, but I also wanted to shout out two short films that they screened uh, before the conversation. The first is Blackbird by Amy Batalibasi, which tells the story of Solomon Islanders who were kidnapped and enslaved in Australian sugarcane plantations in the 19th century. And they also had two UH professors, one from Fiji, one from Samoa, providing some discussion after the film. Uh, it's a it's a brutal story, a brutal history, one that I wasn't aware of, and I think a lot of people aren't aware of. And interestingly, also in a lot of ways, it complements uh, the two strains of slavery, of forced servitude that we've seen in our Hawaii stories and our American stories here in Hawaii. Uh, foreigners brought to Hawaii to work the sugar plantations, essentially as indentured servants, um, and Africans brought to the Americas, North and South America, in chattel slavery. So it gave me a lot to think about. Uh, the second film was a Popolo Project original called Healing Traditions, which explores blackness in Hawaii by looking at intergenerational trauma and the healing power of the ocean. Uh, again, hopefully both will be made available soon for you guys to all check out. Uh, they're wonderful, uh, and as soon as we can, we'll share links with you. So shifting to national news, the confirmation hearings for uh, Brett Kavanaugh to sit on the Supreme Court continue apace. I could tell you about his dangerous views on executive power, the shameless way he's being pushed through, how he'll vote the way Trump wants to 100% of the time, uh, including when it's time to decide whether or not Trump can be indicted. 
Uh, the fact that the supposedly impartial federal judiciary is now completely steered by partisan engineering, uh, we could talk about all those things, but I don't want to talk about that because you can read plenty of analysis on his baggage uh, and the Heritage Foundation and the Federalist Society scheme to take us back to the Gilded Age and undo basically everything uh, that we've done since the New Deal in order to have the federal government actively work to play a part in enabling and bettering people's lives. Uh, the Republicans have the votes. He's getting in. But his confirmation hearing is relevant to us out here in Hawaii because his views on Native Hawaiian rights have come up and they can only be described as, uh, this is sophisticated legal terminology, howly as... So uh, Brett Kavanaugh was involved in Rice v. Cayetano, uh, the landmark decision in which the Supreme Court ruled that elections for the Office of Hawaiian Affairs had to be open to all Hawaii voters, not just Native Hawaiians. And while working for the Center for Equal Opportunity, which is a right-leaning legal nonprofit opposed to affirmative action, uh, essentially another way of saying a legal nonprofit full of white people who don't want to share. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Robert Bork were commissioned to write an amicus brief in support of Freddie Rice and against OHA, Governor Cayetano, Hawaii, and Bill Clinton Justice Department, which agreed on the position that uh, OHA was supposed to be only for Native Hawaiians. Uh, excuse me, OHA elections were only supposed to be for Native Hawaiians. Um, and if you don't know about Robert Bork, uh, you can look him up. Reagan nominated him for the Supreme Court back in the 80s. His views were so extreme that his nomination failed. 58 no votes, including six Republican defectors. Um, so basically, this brief that they wrote, an amicus brief, means you're not a party to the case, but you have a view or an opinion you want to share with the court that you think is relevant. Uh, if you watched any of the hearings, Senator Maisie Hirono, Auntie Maisie, uh, brought this up and grilled him on it a little bit. Uh, she's got clips all over her social media and on C-SPAN. Uh, I'll quote uh, Nick Grube in Civil Beat has two excellent articles about this. The first, Brett Kavanaugh, no friend of special rights for Native Hawaiians. The second, Hirono to Kavanaugh, I think you have a problem here. So I'll quote a little bit from the first article. Before the Supreme Court heard oral arguments, Kavanaugh wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal titled, Are Hawaiians Indians? The Justice Department thinks so. He said that through OHA, the state of Hawaii had set up a system, quote, that doles out money to certain citizens based solely because of their race. If Hawaii's law regarding OHA elections were allowed to stand, he warned that the consequences would spread beyond the ballot box because Hawaii's naked racial spoils system, this is a direct quote, after all, makes remedial set-asides and hiring and admissions preferences look almost trivial by comparison. And if Hawaii is permitted to offer extraordinary privileges to residents on the basis of race or ethnic heritage, so will every other state. Kavanaugh said that neither Congress nor the U.S. Department of Interior had federally recognized Hawaiians. This is true. He went on to say uh, that Hawaiians wouldn't qualify as a tribe, considering, among other things, they don't live on reservations, they don't have elected leaders, or their own set of laws. If Hawaii can enact special legislation for Native Hawaiians by analogizing them to Indian tribes, why can't the state do the same for African Americans, or Croatian Americans, or Irish Americans? Kavanaugh wrote, After all... Hawaiians originally came from Polynesia, yet the department calls them indigenous, so why not the same for groups from Africa or Europe? It essentially means that any racial group with creative reasoning can qualify as an Indian tribe. So my brain broke a little bit when I first read this, but it shows, you know, what do you expect from, uh, a, you know, an inside DC lawyer who knows nothing about Hawaii, has done research about Hawaii. Uh, guy, Hawaii is Polynesia. Native Hawaiians are not immigrants. They did not come to you. You came to them. It's not racial favoritism if you're trying to return stolen resources to the indigenous people who were here first. And before I go into, you know, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, uh, if you're wondering why the Native Hawaiians don't have their own laws or their own reservation or their own governing system, uh, 
read a damn book. Just please read a damn book. Um, anyway, so like I said, he's going to get confirmed. We'll see if this comes up again. Um, oy, that's all I can say. This is the problem with uh, race-blind, color-blind, original legal theory. Uh, all of its proponents either, one, have no understanding of history and how bad things ended up the way they are, or two, they do understand the history and how bad things ended up the way they are, and they have to pretend they don't in order to get to their desired legal conclusion. Um, yeah, intellectually bankrupt, morally bankrupt, uh, fun, good times, great times. Okay, enough about lawyers behaving badly on the mainland because we've got one right here in Honolulu. Uh, Hawaii News Now is reporting city prosecutor Keith Kaneshiro now appears to be the focus of a federal corruption probe. Uh, multiple current and former employees of his office were called to testify last week. Uh, and apparently, uh, according to this article, it wasn't until 2016 that Kaneshiro was brought into the FBI case when he refused to turn over information to the agency about one of his top deputies, Catherine Kealoha, wife of then HBD chief Louis Kealoha. The Kealohas, as you know, were the original targets of a public corruption case that resulted in a massive indictment of not only both of the Kealohas, but several high-ranking HPD officers. Uh, is Keith Kaneshiro guilty? I have no idea. What I do know, uh, mini Bicky leak right here, uh, he often jaywalks outside district court while pushing a small dog in a stroller, so I've already passed all the judgment on him that I need to. <laughs> also, this isn't really a traditional Bicky leak either. I think Ryan has mentioned this on the show. We've both heard tons of stories from current and former prosecutors. Uh, even before this announcement, you know, he was hemorrhaging staff. And again, uh, this is all, you know, Bicky leak what we've heard. Uh, it's the office, you know, there's a, a culture that only really cares about conviction rates. Uh, very difficult to work for. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it looks like uh, in addition to all the Robert Mueller uh, collusion stuff we've got going on in DC. We've got our own uh, little corruption case right here in town. Um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting. We'll stay tuned. We'll see what happens. And one last uh, little news item before we get to our big story. Some sad news. Maka, the world's oldest monk seal, just passed away at Waikiki Aquarium this week. He was 34 years old. That's about 100 in human years. RIP to Maka. Shout out to you. I hope you're doing well up there in Monk Seal heaven. Uh, hopefully not in Monk Seal purgatory. Let's take a quick break, and I'll be back with our top story of the week. Welcome back. Now, friends, if you've been listening to anything we've been saying about politics for the last few months, and even if you haven't, you probably know that Hawaii is well and truly a one-party state. Uh, back on August 9th, two days after he wrote an article in Civil Beat titled, the Hawaii Republican Party's slow path to extinction, Nathan Eagle wrote a follow-up called Billionaires Boost Hawaii Republican Party's Finances. Even though Democrats dominate the islands, the state GOP has more money than in recent years thanks to a few big donations. So Eagle named three billionaires in his article uh, and another, one, another person worth only $700 million, uh, basically uh, each giving $25,000 for hundred k plus you know, other miscellaneous donations. A dear listener... Dear listener, I'll, you know, you want to interrupt me right now. You may be asking yourself, uh, well, they've got no chance at winning seats. What are they doing with all that money? Who is the party trying to appeal to? Well, fear not, because we have your answer. Uh, I was sitting around on Labor Day, scrolling through Twitter, and our good friend Claire brought an ad to our attention. The Hawaii GOP put out a tweet throwing a big bash multi-day fundraiser for Constitution Day, events on September 20 and September 21st, and for only 200 bucks a person, 
unless you want to drop 5 or 10k for a table, you can meet their special guests. The three horse people? Three horse people of the geopocalypse. Oh, you know, I'll work on the pun. Anyway, uh, so they are advertising Stephen Moore, Candace Owens, and the one and only Turning Point USA's main diaper-wearing, lib-owning, Trump-worshipping propaganda man himself, Mr. Charlie Kirk. And for those of you who have had the great fortune in your lives to make it to this point without learning who these three charlatans are, uh, let me give you a little background and some of their greatest hits. So we'll start with Stephen Moore. Uh, He is a visiting fellow and former chief economist at the Heritage Foundation, a right-wing activist organization formerly disguised as a right-wing think tank. Uh, They actually were the ones who came up with the original idea for Obamacare uh, before they decided it was socialism when a black guy tried to do it. Uh, Moore is also founder of the Club for Growth, uh, a major Koch brothers source of funds and a lobbying group uh, advocating for, you know, basically no taxes, no regulation, uber free market, uh, screw the poor, blah, blah, blah. CNN also hired Moore away from Fox News to be their chief economist. So Moore has been pushing the same tired, ineffective supply side or economics for the past 30 years. Uh, He's the architect, one of the architects uh, behind the philosophy that boils down to giving more money to the rich didn't work last time so we have to give more money to the rich uh, he puts the laugh in laugher curve he was cable news main cheerleader for the trump tax cuts repeatedly claimed that they would pay for themselves despite years and years of research showing that this never happens with big gop tax cuts in fact the nonpartisan tax policy center and the conservative tax foundation each scored trump's tax plan and found that it would explode the deficit by $9 trillion to $12 trillion over the next decade, on top of what is already projected to be $9.4 trillion in cur- uh, at Trump's current spending levels. So, you know, not not a huge deal if it was just Stephen, Stephen Moore in and of himself, uh, a middle-aged dude pushing Reaganomics, supply-side, trickle-down BS. Uh, that would be one thing. However, there's, other, there's two other gems that will be joining Mr. Moore. Uh, let's talk about Candace Owens. She is the communications director and director of urban engagement for Turning Point USA. We'll talk more when we get to Charlie Kirk on on that. She was introduced to the mainstream during Kanye West's uh, latest public meltdown. If you remember, he uh, expressed his love and admiration for Trump. He tweeted, I love the way Candace Owens thinks. Uh, Candace Owens was also in Kanye's TMZ interview when he said, when you hear about slavery for 400 years, 400 years? That sounds like a choice. So she's obviously been a great influence on him. Uh, well, before we share, before I share uh, her greatest hits with you, how did she become involved with conservative politics, you may be asking? Well, according to Wikipedia, Owens launched socialautopsy.com in 2016, a website she said would expose bullies on the internet by tracking their digital footprint. The proposed site would have solicited users to take screenshots of offensive posts and send them to the website where they would be categorized by the user's name. She used crowdfunding on Kickstarter for the website. The proposal was immediately controversial, drawing criticism that she was de-anonymizing or doxing internet users and violating their privacy. According to the Daily Dot, quote, people from all sides of the anti-harassment debate were quick to criticize the database, calling it a public shaming list that would encourage doxing and retaliatory harassment. Both conservatives and progressives involved in the Gamergate controversy condemned the website. In response, people began doxing Owens, and Owens blamed, without evidence, the doxing on progressives involved in the Gabrielgate controversy. After this, she earned the support of conservatives such as Trump supporter uh, Milo Yiannopoulos and Mike Cernovich, uh, 
Uh, she got her start on YouTube posting from an account, and this is pretty on the nose, called Red Pill Black, and was also a frequent guest on Alex Jones' InfoWars show. Uh, she was on an online talk show with uh, Dave Rubin. Uh, if you're not sure who, if you're not familiar with Dave Rubin's work, he is the uh, libertarian political personality. Uh, he hosts a bunch of online shows. He does a lot of stuff with the quote-unquote intellectual dark web, which is all the uh, the group. Uh, it's basically uh, you know Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, all those guys who get paid a ton of money from rich Republican donors to make YouTube videos for 18 to 22 year old white men telling them they can basically blame all their problems on their mean feminist professors uh, who are so harsh and unfair to them. Well, anyway, Owens went on Ruben's show and said, I became a conservative overnight. Uh, I realized that liberals were actually the racists. Liberals were actually the trolls. And Trump's message of fake news began to resonate with her. So I'll share some of Owens' greatest hits. This comes from uh, NBC. NBC put a, put a list together. Owens has called Black Lives Matter advocates whiny toddlers and has advocated for the end of all welfare programs and likened black Democrats to slaves on plantations. She's also said that climate change is a lie used to extract dollars from Americans. Abortion is the extermination of black babies. Undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children should be immediately deported. Concern over rising white nationalism is stupid. Uh, she said that one uh, immediately after Charlottesville when American Nazis murdered a woman. Uh, Owens cites George Soros and globalists, aka Jews, among the country's most looming threats, and has called for the imprisonment of Hillary and Bill Clinton, former FBI Director James Comey, Special Counsel Robert Mueller, and the TV anchors Jake Tapper, Rachel Maddow, and Anderson Cooper, among others. So, Anderson Cooper, really? I'm sorry, I just had to, I just had to break character there for a second. Uh, okay, anyway, after she blasted the hashtag MeToo movement for having, quote, turned sexual assault into a trend predicated on the idea that women are stupid and weak, uh, she said any criticism of her is fake news and that conservatives critical of her are secret socialists. Uh, Owens says, has said that her goal with Turning Point USA is twofold, to level the playing field for young conservatives because if you say that you believe in free markets and capitalism, you get called a white supremacist, and quote, to wake up black America that we have been lied to and that racism is now being used as a way to control us and to instill fear in us. Wow, that's something. She's also said black Americans were, quote, doing better when Jim Crow laws codified racial inequality in the segregated South. She also said, I can't think of the last Asian that I ran into that talked about internment camps, but black people always want to talk to me about slavery. Uh, and she also, this is last but not least, but also least because she's awful. Uh, she got into a Twitter spat with the family of Iowa murder victim Molly Tibbetts after a series of troll posts saying, leftists boycotted, screamed, and cried when illegal immigrants were temporarily separated from their parents. What will they do for Molly Tibbetts? Uh, after getting yelled at by members of the Tibbetts family on Twitter, she doubled down, saying, I can't understand why you are, why I can't understand why you are taking your anger out on me instead of the leftists who want open borders and the illegal immigrants who are killing young Americans. So yeah, basically, uh, great person, stand-up gal, class act. Uh, my favorite, uh, Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk, and Kanye West story, uh, she and Charlie ditched a TPUSA meeting with students from Virginia Tech and Liberty University because they got to go hang out with Kanye West instead. As the Washington Examiner put it, after months of planning, public condemnation from both the local NAACP and student government, and threats of counter-protests, the Turning Point USA chapter at Virginia Tech found out at the last moment that Kirk and Owens would be no-shows. As one disgruntled student put it, they bailed on us for Yeezy. 
while Turning Point USA did not return numerous requests for comment, text messages reviewed by the Washington Examiner appear to show Kirk less than fully contrite. We are really sorry and feel horrible, says one message. This is no excuse, except that we were left with two horrible choices. I don't even know if we made the right choice. We just had to make a decision. So whatever it is worth, I am sorry. Uh, great, you know, class act. And that brings us to young Mr. Kirk. Um, you've, you've seen the diaper photos. You've heard Ryan and me rag on this dude. Well, uh, Joseph Guinto already wrote all that needs to be said in a political magazine piece called Trump's Man on Campus. And I'll share some of the best bits here. At the center of the puzzle of Turning Point USA stands one person, 24-year-old Charlie Kirk, the founder, public face, and chief fundraiser for Turning Point USA. He started the group just one day after he graduated from Wheeling High School in suburban Chicago, saying back then that Turning Point USA's mission was to cheerlead for the free market. Kirk spent the last several months of the 2016 presidential election cycle working on social media outreach for the Trump campaign, building close ties with the Trump family. Donald Jr., as the headline speaker at TPUSA's annual summit in December, exchanged, quote, bro hugs with Kirk before taking the stage. The president himself called Kirk, quote, a great warrior at a White House conference on millennials this past March. Technically speaking, the 24-year-old still lives with his parents, though he spent 338 days on the road last year on the Turning Point USA business. Uh, those who buy into Turning Point USA, literally buy into it, Kirk calls these donors his investors, they tend mostly to be men middle-aged or older. Many run family businesses. Some are billionaires. Others are sons of billionaires. Most, of course, are Republicans. All inhabit a conservative media universe that pumps them with anxiety about liberal kids. Kirk is not shy about saying he's selling them a solution to those worries. You can't watch Fox News without seeing five or six segments a day about the nuttiness on college campuses, Kirk told me in one of several interviews we conducted. You pair that nuttiness up with people in their 60s and 70s who are beginning to map out where they want a significant portion of their wealth to go, and they're saying, I don't want my money to go to my university. It's not representing my values. Then we come along. All right, I'm going to pause for a second. I guess this is just the free market at work. Uh, we already knew that Fox News is creating a feedback loop where they basically instruct Donald Trump on policy. Uh, but the conservative media grifter complex, Kirk, Tommy Laren, that, uh, that girl from Kent State who walks around with a gun, you know, all in the name of triggering the libs, uh, creates its own financial ecosystem. And the richness of, you know, this young advocate for liberty on college campuses standing up to the tyranny of the college, American college system, fucking is a high school grad who lives with his parents. Okay, not to shame anybody for that, but there's no, there's, you know, there's a little shame in this. Uh, Kirk's first backer, I'm going back to the article, was Foster Freeze, the 77-year-old Republican megadonor known for bankrolling Rick Santorum's 2012 campaign. Uh, I'll skip ahead. Uh, let's see. Ah. Support is picking up. Today, Kirk says, the group has 20,000 different donors who gave a total of $9.8 million last year, double the amount raised in 2016. Wow. So this organic groundswell college student movement, they're casting off the yoke of liberal oppression, is bankrolled by the dude who funded Rick Santorum. Meanwhile, Ryan and I are still waiting for our George Soros checks and can't even get a frickin' call back. Um, uh, 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 the dude who didn't go to college has made millions of dollars scaremongering about leftist professors on campus. Um, oh, last little bit. Um, from the Politico article. There is undeniably a racial component to the message often delivered by TPUSA, though. Part of the group's appeal is its message that white students don't need to feel guilty about the things their liberal classmates want them to feel guilty about. 
when Kirk delivered a speech called Smashing Socialism at Colorado State University in February, white nationalist and Antifa protesters clashed outside. And the issue of white privilege came up inside as Kirk took questions from the audience. White privilege is a myth and a lie, Kirk said. It should be completely destroyed. It is a racist idea. Why don't they ever talk about Asian American privilege? Asian Americans were widely discriminated against in the 1940s and 50s. We treated them horribly and put them in internment camps. Then, through a series of decades of making good choices, they've now become the richest per capita subracial group in America. Oh, something about the, uh, you know, the model minority being exploited. Uh, also, I think white privilege is the fact that, uh, again, a a 24-year-old non-college student who lives with his parents is making millions of dollars a year screaming about socialism. Uh, anyway, Turning Point USA members uh, have also mocked affirmative action by hosting affirmative action bake sales where whites and Asians are charged more than Hispanics and blacks. The issue is tied to Turning Point USA's founding, Kirk told me, and has said in public several times that in high school he received a congressional appointment to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, but lost that slot to a different candidate, a person he told me was of, quote, a different ethnicity and gender. He believes the other candidate may have been admitted because of affirmative action. Parentheses, West Point officials have said they do consider race and admissions, but only for candidates who also fully meet their admission criteria. Wow. Oh, and that explains that. Uh, I could go on and on and on and on and on. Um, I will save you the, the the frustration of listening to more of this. Uh, I'll direct you to uh, on Wikipedia page for Turning Point USA. Um, there are sections called racism allegations, conflicts with other conservative organizations, and of course, uh, a little bit about the PS de Resistance. In October 2017, several Turning Point student members at Kent State University conducted a protest against campus safe space culture, which involved members dressing up in diapers as babies. Following widespread ridicule on social media, the student-run publication KentWire.com reported that the Turning Point chapter at Kent State had disbanded. Yes, everything. Go check out the Wikipedia article. Read more. So what have we learned? Uh, Basically, you know, we know that especially under Trump, uh, modern conservatism, the modern Republican Party is a vehicle for grievance politics, uh, specifically uh, white nationalist, white victimhood, um, but really, you know, nuanced, uh, breaking down, you know, Charlie Kirk uh, is still salty that he didn't get into West Point, and that grievance, uh, you know, that chip on his shoulder is driving him, despite making millions of dollars trolling people on the internet. Uh, Candace Owens has a chip on her shoulder about uh, her website idea failing, and somehow decided, you know, I'll blame. I'll go ahead and blame the liberals because I can make a lot of money doing that. Um, Stephen Moore. I'm not sure what his deal is. He is probably just a crook. Um, but anyway, you know, if you needed proof that this is Donald Trump's Republican Party uh, at all levels, uh, local, state, uh, Donald Trump and his greedy, morally decrepit enablers, uh, such as the three fine folks who will be coming to Hawaii on the 20th and 21st. Look no further. You know, when I first saw the fundraiser ad, I wanted to call it a funeral for the Hawaii GOP. You know, we know the the national GOP, the party of Lincoln, the party of Eisenhower, that party is dead. Um, And now we know that Hawaii GOP, the Hawaii GOP, the Hawaii Republican Party, the party of Prince Jonah Kukio, the party of Hiram Fong, the party of Fred Hemings, that party is basically dead as well. But like Frankenstein's monster, its reanimated corpse is taking on new life. And they'll be celebrating our Constitution by channeling the spirit 
of the most undemocratic political movement in modern American history, the same one that wants to end birthright citizenship, eliminate the separation of church and state, break immigrant families apart, ban an entire religion from entering the country, and strip poor minorities from voter rolls. Uh, well, I guess if you're the Hawaii GOP and you can't win an election, being a laughingstock is better than being irrelevant because at least people are paying attention to you. And you know, it's it's kind of a shame because they're right when they say that a one-party state is not good. It is not the best possible thing in the long run um, because our politics do get stagnant. There is a lack of alternative voices and nuance. Um, but if these are the alternative voices and nuance that they're going to present, uh, that ain't it. That ain't it. Uh, hard pass from me. Before we go, uh, thank you everybody for bearing with me on this solo episode. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Um, one last special shout out we'd like to send. Friend of the show, resident gun expert, Michael Morgan. You remember him from episode 13. Well, our baby boy is all grown up and he is getting married tomorrow. Uh, he brought his, uh, you know, when he came down to record with us, uh, he brought his fiance. She was in the studio. Um, she was a, a great sport, a trooper. She puts up very patiently with his uh, love of guns, a love that she herself does not share. But thankfully, uh, they have many other important things to bond over. And we here at the Blue Hawaii Podcast uh, just want to send out a little bit of a mazel tov and wish them a long and happy life together. That's it for me, folks. We'll try to do better next week. Ryan will be back in the studio. It won't just be me talking to myself. Until then, uh, please like us on all our social media. Follow us, rate us, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, you name it. Uh, everything except Spotify. We're still working on Spotify. If you have a, if you have an in with them, be like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, why can't you accept the SoundCloud account? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but anyway, yes, please like, rate, subscribe, share, get in touch. BlueHawaiiPod at gmail.com. What do you want to hear? What do you want to do? Uh, give us ideas. We're, 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 we want to talk. We want to talk. We want to talk to you. Uh, anyway, we're going to leave you. Uh, we mentioned, uh, we had an up and coming young artist sharing some music with us. TTA out of the great state of Florida. He's got a new single out and we're going to leave you on this. This is TTA, my vibe. Aloha y'all. Blue Hawaii out. I'm just cruising around the city and I'm trying to catch a pack. Been grinding all week, paper chasing every day. My partner's in my phone telling me I need to slide. I'm double cup sipping, don't you worry what's inside. I'm just in my back, my back, my back. I'm just in my back, my back, my back. I'm just in my back, my back, my back. I'm just in my back, I'm just in my back, I'm just in my back. Apologies, I'm booming. No blood game, but I'm affiliated with a couple killers with two. That's another story, I'm cruising. Trying to pull up on some groupies. He ain't trying to fuck us, suck it, so then bitch, keep it moving. I've been grinding, getting money all day. I'd rather break a swig of being broke, that ain't no way. My partner's in my phone and said it's time to catch a play. These other niggas starving, join the demon, get a play. And I can't help it, cause the niggas they pissing. I'm cool as hell, I'll eat diamonds. These niggas hating these bitches lurking, they hate to see me shining. I'ma make them out of key grinding Tell a bro nigga be quiet Oh, for nobody don't fuck up my back I'm just cruising around the city And I'm trying to catch a pack Been grinding all week Paper chasing every dime My partner's in my phone Telling me I need to slide I'm double cup sipping Don't you worry what's inside I'm just